if somebody is starting a business in any industry and their measure of success is tethered to money, then they need to just abort the mission immediately. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Mason here. Y'all know that we love the Adventure Sports Podcast community and we worked out a special deal with Backpackers Pantry. They make uh, dehydrated and freeze-dried food and they make the most incredible meals. They have over 50 options, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, all of that. And if you are a listener to the Adventure Sports Podcast, you can get 25% off your order by going to backpackerspantry.com and using the promo code ADVENTUREsports25. Uh, The link to that and the specific code will be in the show notes. And yeah, if you need to order some backpacking meals for an upcoming trip or you just want to load up, it's for a limited time and it's limited to 100 users. So please go on Backpackers Pantry and use the code and get 25% off your order. All right, here's the episode. Welcome to the show. Uh, Today I have a guy that left a uh, probably, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but probably a cozy career that he was building for for a decade or so. Yeah. And left that to uh, start an outdoor gear shop in the Denver area. So he's trying to at the very beginning play with the big boys and uh that guy is jimmy funkhauser jimmy did i say your last name right you nailed it awesome welcome to the show man thank you thank you glad happy to be here awesome so uh yeah why don't you uh tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from and, and how you got out to denver yeah well you alluded to my previous career a little bit um that's something that I think a lot of people ask me about um, because I, I I spent ten years in a very corporate existence, uh, kind of chasing I think what a lot of people perceive to be the American dream, you know, steady salary, all the things, and all the time off, and all the vacations, uh, and uh, and just became uh, disenchanted with that lifestyle. Um, you know, I did it for ten years and moved all over the country and. And uh, had some great experiences, but it, it just got to the point where, uh, and, and I guess the, I, I should say what I did, I was a, I was a regional director for Toys R Us and Babies R Us. I was with them for about 10 years. Everybody knows where, where they're at now, but, uh, but uh, you know, I just, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, just the timing was good. I, it, it's a chicken and the egg question. Did they go under because I left or did I leave because they were going under? I guess yeah, that the world will never know, man. <laughs> the, the world, world the will world. never know. <laughs> well, you're doing something right because uh, Farrell's taken off. Yeah, yeah. I, it's been it's been a crazy journey. We've been we've been uh, around for about two and a half years now. We grand opened our original store on March 4th back in 2016. And it's been a wild journey, uh, exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and it's been so much harder than I could have ever imagined in some other ways. So it's, it's been, but it's been fun. You know, you guys got best outdoor gear shop in Denver last year. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few different publications that, 
kind of do best ofs okay. in the Denver area. And, and we've been fortunate enough to, to win a couple just about every year, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. You know, you, you kind of mentioned earlier taking on the big guys in Denver and, and that couldn't be more true. You know, we're literally five miles from the, De- the REI flagship store, uh, downtown Denver, you know, their existence is quite literally why there are not, uh, a plethora of independent shops in Denver, you know? So it's, uh, I think people have really enjoyed seeing, you know, the local independent guy kind of taken on Goliath. And that's, I think that's been a big part of our success. Man. So you, you said you didn't, it's exceeded your expectations. What were your expectations? If, if it wasn't to be the best, was it just to survive and produce an income? Well, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, I had no expectations as far as the business side of things. Um, I had been fortunate enough to have some financial security in my previous career, and it just wasn't really about that at all. And, you know, when I started Feral, it was really a personal journey more than anything. I didn't even see it as a business move or a business venture or a, you know, a traditional startup. It was just, what the hell do I want to spend my time doing? You know, I was so disenchanted by the corporate existence and it really, what it came down to is I wanted, I wanted consistency between my personal life and my professional life in my old career. I'd show up, you know, dressed to the nines, had to, had to kind of, you know, use all the business buzzwords all day and kiss everybody's ass. And not not shake the tree, and in my personal life, I've always I've always had a very irreverent approach to everything I do. I don't take anything too seriously. I, I, I'm a dirt bag at heart. I love being outside, and there was just this real big disconnect between how I was spending my personal time and how I was spending my professional time, and it just didn't feel like just just didn't feel like an authentic way to live my life, and I just wanted to fix that. Um, I think your beard is scratching the mic just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, I get I mean, that problem too. It's uh, it's funny when I'm talking on the phone. A lot of times, I people lose me and they think I'm losing my signal. It's really just my phone getting buried in my beard. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> some some beards are epic enough to to lose some signal, but yeah, uh, yeah. Yours is yours is one of them. So the interesting yeah. thing: your beard shares a birthday with Feral, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. That's true. You know. I, Part of that kind of buttoned up corporate existence was, you know, I had to I had to dress a certain way, I had to look a certain way, and, and uh, it, literally when I launched Feral, I launched the beard at the same time, and and uh, it, it's 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 been interesting because people in you know if I'm out and about, it's you know how when you have a dog, sometimes people recognize your dog before they recognize you. Oh yeah, it's it's kind of like that with my beard when I'm out in public. If I'm at an event or, you know, last night I was at a, a fundraiser for a local nonprofit and I had a few people that, you know, recognized my beard before they actually recognized me. So it's like, it's like having a cute dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the beard's as cute as your, uh, your dog, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I get it. I get it. Cool, man. So, you know, you, you were, you spent 10 years in the corporate world and that wasn't here in Colorado. It was all over the place. Uh, I lived in Indianapolis, um, 
uh, spent some time working in Chicago, some time in Kansas City, and then I did spend the last uh, two years with the organization based here in Denver, which is what, you know, thankfully, um, uh, they, you know, they got me out to Denver after about five years of begging and pleading. Wow. Now, is that just for the love of the outdoors? Yeah, I took a, I took a backpacking trip with a couple buddies back home in Indiana to, uh, Colorado about seven years, almost eight years ago now. <clears throat> and we did the four pass loop, which is oh, yeah. kind of cliche classic backpacking loop in Colorado. And I'll never forget. We were actually driving on interstate 70 West into the mountains and we came over the hill there in Genesee and I saw real mountains for the first time in my life. And I turned to my buddy and I, I said, I know this is probably going to be a lot of fun and I, I'm probably going to miss you guys, but I got to live here. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. You say that I did the same thing on a road trip with my dad about five years ago. And I said, I, I have to live here. And he's like, why? I'm like, are you looking around at all this? And I, right. I came from Florida. So, you know, it's totally different world. But yeah. I totally understand that feeling. Another interesting thing about you that I wanted to ask was that you're the oldest of 10, 10 kids. Yeah, that's correct. In real life, it's a, it's an odd thing. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I'm originally from Indiana, Southern Indiana. So I, yeah, I'm the oldest of 10. Uh, and just about everybody is, well, not just about, everybody is still back in Indiana, all my brothers and sisters. Uh, and my youngest sister is uh, 12. So Holy pretty big. cow. It's funny because I... I didn't I didn't really grow up in a big family. That's the unique thing about being the oldest is I I was I was off to college before half of them were even born. So even though I am the oldest of 10, my experience growing up in that family is not the same as, you know, some of the middle children that quite literally, you know, lived with all of us. Wow. Uh, so it's a little different, but it's also, you know, it's a big driving force for me too. What's that? Uh, just being the oldest, it's just a, it's a big driving force for me. I think anybody that's the oldest in a large family, you you always carry this. I don't want to I don't want to say burden, but this sense of responsibility to like charge forward and blaze the path. And I think that's been a big part of my identity my whole life, and kind of the approach I take with things. But you just yeah, I have this sense of wanting to inspire, you know, my brothers and sisters to to do what you know, lights them on fire. But, uh, so it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing for sure. Man. So coming from such a large family, a Midwestern family, what, what do you think the general consensus is of everybody about you and what you're doing out here? What do they say about you? Yeah, it, that's a good, it's, it's something that I actually just recently started to, I guess, to be aware of. And, and the reason it's something that's, I guess, been something I've thought about recently is when we, and we might may or may not talk about this, but we uh, launched an Indiegogo campaign uh, to help uh, fund our new shop in Denver. And, and, and that in the course of that whole campaign, it was the first time that I, it, I really was fully aware of how much people back home were rooting for me and were, were willing to do what they could to step up and help this whole adventure work. Right. And it, it, it just changed my perspective on 
I guess kind of my role in this whole thing. Right. You know, I feel like so many people in my family and so many people um, back home and so many of my friends just really care about us making this thing happen. And uh, it, it was it was an odd thing. It just kind of made me feel like almost I have a, I have an obligation to just uh, do th- do this the right way, make it work, and make it something that people are proud of. Do you do you like that kind of pressure, or is it a little bit intimidating? I love that. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I I want I want to live a big life. You know, I, yeah. I want to live a life that not only I'm proud of, but the people around me are proud to have been a part of because I, I don't, I don't feel like we live our lives in isolation in any way. You know, I, I really feel very strongly that nothing, nothing worthwhile is accomplished alone, you know? And when I see the things that we've been able to do, I, I, I don't look at it and say, look what I've done. Look at, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, look at it that way, I, I really feel very strongly that it's a collective effort and push towards something that like almost I'm not even doing. It's like I'm just kind of uh, almost a proxy for like the collective group that I'm that I'm surrounded by. And we're just all kind of making this thing happen. As far as your public image of what Farrell is doing, you guys seem to be making it. You do seem to be um, kind of leading that charge to turning the outdoor industry back to these small communities and really building a solid community around that. I mean, if you're if you're honest, could you could you say is that is that what's happening behind closed doors? Is do you feel like it's a success, or do you feel like uh, you've just got such a long way to go? You know, one of the challenges with entrepreneurship is that. Every decision and every day and every moment is either a complete success or an absolute failure. There's no, there's just, there's no in between. There's no like, oh, that went okay. Or, you know, it's either that was amazing or I really bleeped that up. And that's the challenge I think that any entrepreneur feels. Actually, I don't even, I don't even like that word. I don't know why I just used it, but anybody that's creates something that's, I think that's, they, they feel that because it's such every, every decision and every moment is, is a personal decision. You know, when we, when we decide to put, when we decide to put Charmin in the bathroom, like I pine over that decision, (laughs) you know, it's uh, a good stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to really get a sense for where we're at when you're in it and what we're doing. It means a lot to hear you say that because it truly is something that we want to do. You know, coming from the corporate life and seeing how banal and soulless the corporate structure and the corporate way of running a business is. You know, one thing we talked about very early at Farrell's, we want to do things the right way. We want to be proud of every decision we make. And then we want to prove that you can be successful with that approach. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, we sir, I, I, I don't think we're even close to proving, you know, that you can sustain that over time. But, you know, to, to hear or to get any, any 
impression that we're at least on that path um, is something that that definitely means a lot to me. I, I totally feel you. It, you want to prove that you can keep your humanity and also be successful. I, I recently listened to an interview with uh, Andrew Mason, which is uh, the founder of Groupon. Yeah. And he was saying, he goes, the problem with, they were the fastest growing business of all time, like just scaled so big, so quickly. Yeah. And he said that the biggest problem with that was that I had to compromise morally more times than I, like if you would have talked to the, the person four years before that, I would have been appalled by some decisions I had to make. And you just, you just, when you get so big, something has to break. And a lot of times it's, it's your humanity. And so there's something to be said about keeping things local, keeping things small and really, really focusing on the people right in front of your face that are participating in your business day in and day out. I think that's a recipe for a really rewarding lifestyle. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're 70 years old and you look back on what you've spent most of your time doing, if you're not proud of how you did it, what was the point? Yeah. Like if you can't look back and say, I treated people the right way, I'm, I'm proud of the approach we took, then that's, that's a, to me, that's a wasted life. Like I just, I would, I would hate that. I would, I would rather... I say this occasionally and it pains people to hear me say it, particularly my team, but I I tell people all the time, I would rather fail doing things the right way in a way that we're proud of than be successful, uh, cutting corners or treating people, you know, like, like property and, and not building relationships and not building community. Uh, I mean, what, if you don't do it that way, you're, you're just going to be disappointed in yourself and, and at the end. What's a a big example of a decision you've had to make like that? Yeah, I think part of, uh, you know, we make, we make decisions pretty much every day that we have to account for that kind of mentality. You know, one example is, is the brands we work with, you know, as a retailer, we're constantly aligning ourselves with other companies. Yeah. Um, You know, not every business is like that. You know, it's it's one of the unique things about retails that we're literally going uh, going to market publicly with partnerships, and with each one of those partnerships, we're making a statement. You know, we're we're essentially co co signing the approach of this other company, and I, I think that that's definitely one of the biggest uh, ways that we kind of put our stamp. Our approach, but uh, in the outdoor industry, we're fortunate in that there are a lot of really amazing companies that you know we feel are doing things the right way, and we feel very strongly that going into partnership with them is a is a great way to really uh, not only magnify our ethos and our approach, but kind of help those companies do the same thing. Has any company come back to bite you in the butt as far as public image? We've dodged some bullets. Definitely. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that one of the challenging things in retail, particularly in a <clears throat> in a hard goods business, is as a as an independent shop, you really want we want to carry unique things, and carrying unique things oftentimes means being first to market with something, uh, a new company, a startup company, 
And anybody that works in startups knows that most of them don't make it. And that's not always because it's a bad product or because it's, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to take an idea, create something and, and convince people that it, that it's useful. Yeah. There's been a couple of times that we've taken a look at something and said, you know, wow, we think this could really take off. And we jumped at it because we, we wanted to introduce something unique and it, it just didn't work. You know, a lot of times it's just administratively, you know, the startup doesn't have their ducks in a row. And, and those are, those are always tough calls because you, you want to be able to give some, show your community something fun and unique. And, but also, you know, if that's, if that company's not quite ready to either take care of the customers or service their product or whatever, it can, it can make you look bad. Um, but you know, we take risks and we, we try to make those decisions with the best information we have. And sometimes you strike out. I totally get it, man. I, co-founded and co-operate a startup and it is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And yep. you feel the gamut of human emotions every single day. Just the other day, I wanted, I, I thought if someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'll take this off your hands, I would have said, you can have it. <laughs> by the end of the day, Someone had messaged me and said that trip, that backpacking trip changed my life. And then I was like screaming at the top of my lungs in excitement and joy, like in my truck, just yeah. like hooping and hollering. And I thought this morning, this morning, I would have sold this thing. I would have sold it. I would have gave it away. And here we are changing somebody's life in the same day. It's like, it's like its own I don't even know what to compare it to. And it's like an adventure where you, you feel like crap at the beginning of the day. You know, it's raining or it's cold or something. And you get by to this epic viewpoint by that night. And you think, I can't, I can't stop doing this. This is, this is the most important thing I've ever done with my life. Yeah. And you, it's crazy. You, you feel stupid for even questioning it at some points. But then you just feel stupid for continuing at some points. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. Two nights ago, I had one of those moments. <clears throat> you know, I don't mind saying it. I, I don't mind saying it at all because I think anybody that's that's been on this sort of journey, they'll 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 get it. Yeah. Um, but two nights ago, you know, I was I was sitting on the couch talking to a friend, and I said, "I don't. I'm cooked. I don't think I have anything left to give. And if I keep going down this path, this." company is going to kill me. Like I just, you know, I was, I was, uh, it was a rough day. It'd been a rough week, a lot of tough decisions, a lot of tough outcomes. And I, you know, if somebody would have walked in the door and said, I'll give you a dollar to walk away, I would have said, you can keep your dollar, <laughs> and take, <laughs> you know, Oh and, man. and it's, and it's not, and you know, I'm sure some people hear that and think, oh, well, he just doesn't have what it takes or he's not motivated or you know, nobody works harder than me. Nobody works harder than me and nobody cares more than me. But it's just that hard. And you're going to have those moments. And then, you know, I wake up the next day and and uh, let's go. You know, I had I wake up the next morning and I had just as much energy as I've ever had. We had a great day. We fixed a lot of the problems that we had the previous day. And and uh and I, and 12 hours later, I'm as inspired as I've ever been, you know, and it's, that's just how it works. 
By now you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. If you want to get into backpacking but you're not sure where to start, go check out campcrate.net. Campcrate can help you plan the backpacking trip of a lifetime and supply you with all the rental gear you need. Simply go online and choose your gear and your itinerary. Campcrate will then ship your gear anywhere in the U.S. When your trip is finished, use the pre-printed return label to ship the gear back. It's that easy. Campcrate. Rent. Explore. Return. That's so relatable. And yeah, I, I think people would look at you and, and me too and just say, yeah, you guys don't have what it takes. And, you know, I'm probably on the verge of having what it takes. Like I, I, I definitely toe the line because naturally I just want to quit things that are hard. But I've usually surrounded myself with people that, that aren't like that. Yeah. And but I think it's super common. I think it's incredibly common. This is not. This is not as the easiest type of business to build uh, an outdoor in, an outdoor store from from scratch, really. Yeah. Um, but getting back to that, do you think? Do you coming from the Midwest? Coming from maybe not being in this your entire life, like like me. Do you ever feel like an imposter? Like people look at you like you are a guru of this industry. You know everything. And you're and I and you're like, I'm just selling you a tent. Like I don't know all this stuff about it. I'm just selling you stuff. And I know a lot, but by no means am I born and raised in this. Absolutely. Yeah, but here's the catch. I mean, yeah, I feel like an imposter sometimes because I you know, I'm Especially in Colorado, you know, you kind of have to keep your head down sometimes, you yeah. know, because anything you brag about, like you could, you know, you can go brag about your, your ultra run where you ran a sub 30, but you know, it, as soon as you say that, that world-class ultra runner is your next door neighbor. But right. now I, I, you know, the imposter syndrome thing I, I think is, uh, it, it was something that, um, you know, I've thought about, but also I, I feel very strongly that nobody has it figured out. You know, I th- everybody has this, everybody has this sense that when they see successful businesses or whatever, that they look at these people and they, they, they say, Oh, you know, Johnny's look at, he's, he's clearly, he's, he's the guru. He's got it figured. I got news for you. Johnny doesn't know. Shit, and he is just as scared as anybody else. Nobody has it figured out. We're all just 
a kite dancing in a hurricane, man. We are just, it doesn't matter what business it is. It doesn't matter what experience somebody has. There's no playbook for any of this stuff. You know, you can pick up the business one, all the entrepreneur books. That's just one person's experience. And most of the time it means absolutely nothing when trying to apply it to whatever unique situation you're, you're working on. So I, no, I, I have people ask, I actually, I've had people ask me that in the past and, and they've said like, you know, different iterations of it. Um, and, and I feel very strongly that everyone just probably one of the most important things you can do to break through the like startup barrier is just accept that nobody else, nobody else has it figured out. In, in your whatever you have is sufficient if you're just willing to work your ass off. It's kind of hard to accept that sometimes because everybody struggles with you know confidence and especially when things aren't going well. But but yeah, I, I've kind of I, I I used to experience that kind of imposter syndrome stuff, but I'm over it. Like I I am I'm completely over it. I just I look at it and say, yeah, sometimes I suck and I make dumb decisions. But I know everybody else does too, and uh, I can't control that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna outwork everybody. I know that nobody can outwork me. And I, I, I put, I've always put a premium on that anyway. So if I do dumb shit, uh, so be it. Uh, we're gonna work our way through it. I'm glad you said that, man, because you know this imposter syndrome thing, thing has been kind of going around this year, and. I kind of felt the same way. I, I didn't know that going into starting my own business that I don't have to know everything up front, but slowly have learned it. And like you said, kind of think I'm over it too, in the sense of I'm very comfortable telling the people around me, you know, you guys look like you've made it. You look like a huge success. And I'm like, I haven't taken a paycheck and I probably won't for a couple more years and I'm broke. Yeah. So yeah, it's fun and this is exciting and I'm going to be proud of whether it succeeds or fails, but it's, it's not glorious right now and I yeah. don't know what I'm doing and yeah, I don't really care, but the pressure's on every day and at the very least I wake up and feel like I have a purpose, you know? Right. Yeah. If somebody, if somebody is starting a business in any industry and their measure of success is tethered to money, then they need to just abort the mission immediately because it's just not going to work that way. Um, you know, I, I didn't take a paycheck for the first quite literally two and a half years. Feral was open. You know, I, I actually, I actually just collected my first very, 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 very small paycheck just a couple weeks ago. Congratulations. And, man. uh, and it's, a, it, I mean, it's not, it's not even, it doesn't even pay my rent. I mean, it's not, it's nothing, but it was, it was just almost symbolic more than anything. But yeah. if anybody thinks, you know, that even the most successful businesses and organizations, uh, you're not going to collect a paycheck for the first two years. And if you do, it's likely to the detriment of your company. Yeah, that is, uh, that is tough, but that's the reality of it. And I think, I don't think, I know we have a lot of listeners that are interested in doing something like you've done, leaving a corporate job, or at least building a side hustle around something they're passionate about. 
And I get it. You know, if you have a family, you've been in your career for a while, if you're going to devote 10, 20 hours a week at something, it's it's got to bring a little a little bit in. But if you're going to deep dive, totally change everything, you got to know what you're getting into. And it's, and it's good to hear from people like you who've done exactly that and know from experience, it's going to take years. And I honestly think that you're ahead of the curve as well at two and a half years to take a paycheck. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, I, I think, that's that's the challenge with there's this uh, I think over romantic over romanization of I don't know if that's a word but of of this like entrepreneur sounds like a good word yeah <laughs> of the entrepreneur's journey in in America you know I, I have people all the time that you know say oh, I'm proud of you for following your dream and doing all these things and it's just such such a romantic thing in the United States people just don't get it they just don't understand. Uh, what it really is. And I think most yeah. people, and also I think that's, that's dangerous because I think it probably sends people down that path that shouldn't be going down that path. And I, especially with the money thing, it's, it's dangerous uh, because if you're not prepared emotionally to not take a paycheck for two or three years, emotionally and financially, uh, then you shouldn't be doing it. You know, I lived in my van for seven months. And I, I think a lot of the people around me, because I'm a dirtbag and because I love being outside and, you know, it, it, it seemed like the, it seemed like a normal thing for me to do. And I think a lot of people around me thought, oh, he's living in his van because he's, you know, he wants to adventure and be in the mountains. No, I was, I was broke. <laughs> yeah. I, get I was. It. I was quite literally homeless for seven months. Oh yeah, man. I was living in my van. Uh, and some of the, I mean, some of the I had to do just to scrape by, uh, had nothing to do with the fact that, I mean, it was convenient that I'm a dirt bag and, and nobody thought twice about it, but it was, it was literally, I had to live in my van for seven months for my business to survive. Um, I don't know. Very oh, many so people. this is, sorry to interrupt, but this is when, you had already started feral. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, was I didn't catch my, that. Dang. I was living in, living in my van until this past uh, February. That is awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And, and I and I know the people around me, you know, thought well, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy. No, that's right. Jimmy being broke and yeah. just trying to keep my business alive. And that's how important it was to me. I don't, you know. There probably aren't a whole lot of people that are willing to be homeless before they're willing to give up their 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 company. You know. Did that feel? Did you ever feel like, what am I doing, laying in this van? <laughs> like I got ten, I got nine oh, brothers yeah. and sisters. What? Hey, your oldest brother is sleeping in his van. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I not for those reasons. I mean, I I really. I don't care too much what other people think, but uh, just personally, yeah, I mean, you, you always have doubt. You know, I left a comfortable job and uh, could could have done other things. And, you know, especially when you're when you're when it's December and it's 10 degrees outside and you've got the flu and you're in your van. Yeah. You know, it's just what am I doing? But but I, I think that's just part of it. That's just part of the journey. And and. I, I actually like, I look back on that and I'm, 
you know, it just, it reinforces how important this is to me. Wow. So, (laughs) so we've been talking a lot about the really, really hard stuff and the really negative stuff with starting a business, not negative, but the, but the challenging parts. What's, what's surprisingly been something that's easy, easily come for feral. Oh man. You don't, you never want to admit to anything being easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it's that. Bad, it's bad karma. No, I'll, I'll say, I, I wouldn't say easy. I, I won't use the word easy, but I will say, uh, uh, there's some things that exceeded my expectations, and and one of those things, I guess they kind of go hand in hand, has been kind of the resonance uh, that people have have had with the brand, and it, and it's it's been good and bad. You know, we we've had so many people have connected with the brand in, in uh, a way almost independent of our actual shop. It's been odd. You know, that, that's something that every company try, really tries to do to build resonance with their message and their brand. And, and it's fleeting and it's difficult. And I, I've been really surprised at how much success we've had there. But it's, but it's also been a liability as well because it, it's funny how many times I talk to people and they know Farrell. They've heard of Farrell. They follow Farrell. But they have no f- idea what we actually do and, it, and it's funny because uh, it, it almost becomes uh, a, a challenge of keeping uh, making sure the business itself the meat and potatoes of what we do actually keeps up with the pace of the brand uh, I did not ever expect to have that sort of problem it, it's not not necessarily a, a bad thing but it it's, I didn't expect the branding side of things to, to take off the way it did. If that's been a problem, um, why I, I've honest, I, I've kind of stepped on your toes about telling people what feral is early on. Why don't you go ahead and explain to everybody, yeah. you know, a couple tens of thousands of people that'll listen to this next week. What is feral and what do you guys do? Yeah, really, really, uh, simple. We're an outdoor gear shop, uh, based in Denver uh, we actually have a, a sm- very small second location in Idaho Springs, Colorado, but we uh, we're just your your basic local independent outdoor gear shop, hiking, camping, backpacking gear, and, and clothing. Um, we do have a website, e-commerce site. Our e-commerce site's down right now while we move our Denver store um, to a, to a bigger location, but we're we're just a, basically a local and independent outdoor gear shop out here in Colorado. That's awesome, man. Now you guys offer a lot. You rent gear, which, you know, directly competes with us, but yeah, that's okay. (laughs) There's plenty of fish in the sea. That's what I always say. My buddy, my partner's always like, dude, we got it. We got to crush them. Not really, but we're, (laughs) you know what I mean? You get competitive and it's natural and it's healthy, but I think, man, there's so many people that need gear. Like, it's going to be fine. You know, all boats are going to rise with this tide. And, uh, so yeah, outdoor gear shop, you do have a second location, but you're moving to a new location now. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that and kind of what the future is for feral? Yeah. So we, we started, and this is another interesting perception thing that we've had to battle. So we started in a, 
700 square foot house, essentially a bungalow on Tennyson Street in Denver and uh, built the shop out in this house. And it isn't on like kind of a commercial district, but it, it's, it's an old house. And uh, it, it's funny because, you know, it's another example of how kind of the brand took off before the business was actually there. You know, we had people come in all the time that had followed us on Facebook or Instagram and they, they walk in this tiny house and they're like, holy shit, this is you guys. You know, this is what you guys are. And we're like, yeah, this is us. But we, uh, we started in, in the house and, um, we, uh, we were moving just down the street, just four blocks, blocks South. We'll still be on Tennyson street into an old theater. Um, so we're going from about 700 square feet to about 4,700 square feet. Uh, and, uh, what used to be the old Alcott theater on Tennyson street. And, uh, so we're really excited about that. We started our build out this week. We hope to be done um, in time to open before Thanksgiving. But uh, it's we're, we're kind of in the thick of that build out right now. And man, that's well. I appreciate you giving us some time. So uh, you, you mentioned something. People would walk in and say, "So, oh, so this is what you do." Were they were they underwhelmed with the house? I think. Yeah, I think it. I you know, honestly, I think the the reaction most people have when they walk in is that that it's something they've never quite seen. And that's actually, I I like that. I don't, I don't think you never know what people are thinking and not saying, you know, if you've been in business, you know, that like most of the negative experiences just die a silent death and you just never see those people again. So it's always, that's always scary, scary, but uh, you know, most of the, most of the responses we've got have been, wow, this is pretty neat. This is unique. You know, we like the way you guys are doing things. I think people like businesses that are scrappy and unique and, you know, not like everything else they've seen. And I think that's for people that have been in our store, probably one of the biggest reasons that people come back is that it's just a little different. Yeah. I I would say that you have, or by luck or whatever, y- y'all have built a great brand in the sense of, I mean, you sell, you sell logo tees, but you're not, you're not a outdoor brand. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, it's fun. It, it, if I could just, you know, kind of interject on the whole brand thing, it's funny yeah. that you say that because, uh, I, I think every business can be a brand if, if you have something to say, it, it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in and you, you, there's examples of it out there. You know, there, there's just, there's weird dollar shave club, you know, dollar, they, they, they sell razors for almost nothing. But because of, because of the fact that when they launched, they had something to say, they became a brand immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you you know there's examples of that in every industry. And and I think that on some level we have we we've made no attempt really at being a brand, but when we realized, hey, independent of what we actually do on the day to day, um we kind of feel like sometimes we have something to say. And I, I think if you take that approach, uh, you can you can build a brand independent. Uh, it should not necessarily independent, but separate from 
what what it is you actually do day to day. And that can become almost a vessel for what it is you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and, and we've we've tried to do that on some level uh, over the last couple of years by being irreverent. And, you know, I'll drop an F-bomb in a blog on our website. Yeah. I, I don't care. I'll have to bleep a few words out, but. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's it just and we've I've taken some criticism for that, but I, I just don't care because as a small business, I we don't need everyone to like us. I don't even want everyone to like us because if everyone likes us, that means we're probably full. Of um, I would much rather build a business on like five percent or ten percent of people loving us than ninety percent of people liking us. And to do that, you have to be willing to step out a little bit and say some things that maybe don't jive with the majority. If it is truly authentic to you and how you feel and what you believe and what your business stands for. Uh, and I think that that's how you build kind of that branding side of things. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's funny. You say that about dollar shave club earlier. I remember seeing an ad for them when they first came out in a gym, I was in the bathroom and I saw this poster and I could just tell through the poster, I'm like, dang, this company has some attitude. And I yeah. thought if I ever shave, which I never do, haven't for 10 years, I'll, I'll go with Dollar Shave Club. But I'm not, I don't shave, so I don't need their stuff. I think something you guys have done well, because when I first found out about Feral, I was, I just sensed this presence you guys had online and a community because the amount of people that seemed to be involved socially and I come to find out later it was an outdoor gear store and I went in your your shop at, your, the, at the house the bungalow and I thought yeah this is cool I mean it's an outdoor shop but there's something like people are really stoked about this and something interesting I noticed you guys involve people by making them ambassadors is that yeah. part of your strategy just to make people feel a part of the the brand and the community and help them get excited about getting out there and, and, and pushing feral? Sometimes I don't even know what our strategy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get no, it, I, I think so. Our mission statement is create adventure when it comes to our ambassador program or our broader strategy you know, when we make a decision to launch a new component of our business, we kind of just put it through that funnel. You know, does this does this help people create adventure in their life? You know, whether it's through inspiring them to do so or directly supporting them uh, or, you know, with the, the gear we decide to carry or the rental program or the used gear, or whatever, you know, we just kind of ask ourselves, does this in some way help people create adventure? in their life. And, you know, if it doesn't, then there has to be a very significant business case for making that decision. Uh, and in most cases we just abandon it. So I think that's, that's a, that's the biggest part of it, you know, with our events, you know, with our film nights, we're always looking for films that inspire people. And, you know, we've all seen those films, right? You watch it and you're like, Holy, shit, I want to go climb Kilimanjaro right now, you know? And, and it's just part of that, like, more holistic approach of, like, how do we get people outside? Uh, because ultimately, that's really what I care about. Uh, I'm not inspired by selling graphic T-shirts. I just don't care. 
sure it's exciting for me to see our logo around town, but, uh, it, that, that is, uh, you know, uh, kind of what helps us do the other things at the end of the day. I just, I just want to get people on, on a mountain. So what's been one of the best experiences with Farrell so far? Like maybe specific instances that you can remember. Yeah. Um, it's tough. There's just, it's every day is, is like a, a potpourri of devastation and inspiration. You know, there's always these things that are pulling you back and forth. I think that one, one that kind of jumps out at me and, and you may have had these experiences, you know, cause you guys are in the rental business. One thing that's unique about the rental business is that oftentimes people that are renting gear are people that without the opportunity to rent gear would not be able to experience the trip or the vacation or adventure that, you know, they use that gear for. And we had one experience, I had one experience, uh, not too long ago where a, re- a pretty young couple came in and, and rented some gear. They'd never been to Colorado. They'd never been in the mountains. They'd never slept outside before, you know, and, uh, they were, putting together a trip actually in the maroon bells. So I had a lot of fun talking to them about it being like my first backpacking trip in Colorado. I spent all this time with them, you know, kind of giving them some bait on, you know, where, where would be some good places to camp and what to expect. And they, and they came in pretty ill-equipped, not just gear wise, but just planning wise and, and really understanding what they were likely getting themselves into. So I, I spent as much time as they would, they would give me to kind of try to prepare them for that. And they came, when they came back about five days later, they were so excited about the experience that they had had over those few days um, that you could just see in that moment, their lives were different from that point on. And, and I could just, I could, it brought me back to the very same experience I had when, you know, I did my first backpacking trip in Colorado and they were, they were just beaming. I mean, they were just glowing and they, uh, they actually, when they returned the gear, they, they showed up with a card, a thank you card. Um, and they wrote this really just amazing and thoughtful kind of narrative about their experience and how much like the help that I'd given them meant to them. And that's just, that's what it's all about. That's the stuff that, um, you know, just makes it worth it because that's, that's what we're trying to do. Like that's what we, you know, as an outdoor gear shop, that's what we want to see. And that's, that's one that comes to mind. But man, if, if you do this long enough, you just, those experiences just keep, keep cropping up. Yeah. I, I really, I really hold on to those when they happen. Yeah. Because it, it definitely confirms like, this is why I left my last job. This is why I I quit whatever it was because nothing else I do in life causes people to so drastically change their life or to so to hold on to an experience so so tightly and so with such joy and that's the cool thing about renting gear especially in person they have to come back at the end of their rental program and they're either going to feel one or two ways really excited about it or you know, maybe not so much, maybe it was terrible. So it's, that is, that is kind of neat versus, you know, someone buying a jacket and you never see them again. Right. And you're, you're definitely going to have those people that they have bad experiences. I mean, hell I have bad experiences. I mean, I, anybody that backpacks enough or climbs enough, especially if they're new to it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's the risk, but, uh, you know, we just have to do what we can to, to prepare people for type two fun. Type two fun, man. That's what it's all about. I, yep. I you know we, we talk about that a lot on here and it's, it's the best kind of fun. So, yeah. you know, you said you're moving to a new store. What, what, what's your ultimate goal with Feral? you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of, I said it earlier a little bit. Uh, my ultimate goal is just when I'm 70 or however long I have is to just look back and be proud of how we did things. I don't have any, uh, any financial goals. I just, I don't really care too much about that stuff. Um, I just, I just want to be proud of what, how we did things, how we do things. And I want the people on our team to feel good about what we're doing. You know, every, every big decision we make, you know, I make in collaboration with my team because I, I, I don't want to, you know, sometimes I'll write a blog piece that's maybe a little controversial and post it on Farrell's page. And I always, I always sit down with the team and say, hey, how, did, how do you guys feel about this? You know, what is, you know, if, if I, if we post this and you're out, you know, to dinner with some friends tomorrow night and they ask you and challenge you on it, like, do you, do you feel good about it? what we're saying and what we're doing. Uh, and that's, that's the, that's what matters to me. I just want to, I just want feral to be something we're proud of and something our community community is proud to be a part of. And I feel like if, if that happens, then everything else kind of just takes care of itself. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Well, I, I think you're well on your way to achieving that goal. I wish feral the best we're we we share the same geographical location so i'll have to swing by and say hello sometime yeah in your new yeah. place thanks for thanks for coming on here man of course yeah always excited to to share and, and honored to to spend the time with you yeah is there anything you want to let people know about feral where they can find out more about you how they can follow you sure yeah you, you can you can find us uh on, on your your preferred social media app of choice uh, at at Feral Mountain Co. Feral just like a feral child. F E R A L Mountain Co. spelled out on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. And and our website is feralmountainco.com. Uh, but uh, you can just Google Feral Denver and you'll you'll find us. But uh, you guys do ship nationwide because we have listeners all over. Yeah, we do. We do. We do ship nationwide. Like I said, our e-commerce site is going to be down for the next four weeks while we're moving our Denver store. Our inventory is kind of tethered to that location, but we'll be back up and running there hopefully before Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, we we uh, we ship all over the place. So come check us out. Awesome. Thank you, Jimmy. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Building. Just holler at yeah. me. Cool. Yeah, we'll do, man. I appreciate that. And uh, good luck. Good luck with everything you got going on over at uh, Camp Crate and with the podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, we had a, we had a great summer. It was our first real year, and uh, it by far exceeded our expectations. And, awesome. Uh, we're gonna keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. No. Good luck, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's worth it. It's uh, I hope everything goes well. You too, man. All right, we'll talk soon. All right. Cheers, Mason. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Thank y'all so much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend and get out there, do something exciting, go start a business, go do something crazy, and then give us a call at 812-M-A-I-L-P-O-D. That is 812-MAILPOD, and tell us all about what you did.